Open your Bibles to John chapter 6, in verse 63. The Lord really, really wanted me to come to encourage you, to make you aware, and to deepen the revelation that you walk in about how your Father talks. Eternal life is knowing God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And of course, to know them, who reveals them is the mighty Holy Spirit. So we could say this eternal life is knowing God. Well, one of the biggest things you need to know about him is how he talks. Because the Bible says so much about that. So to understand this, first of all, John chapter 6 in verse 63, towards the end of this verse, this is Jesus talking. This is Jesus talking in the last interaction that he would have with his disciples before going to the cross. So this is, this is happening right before the Garden of Gethsemane and he goes to be crucified. And he says this, it's the spirit that quickens, the flesh profits nothing. And then this is what I want you to see. The words that I speak unto you. Now this is powerful because with Jesus, with all, when he was on the earth, it always says they came to hear him and to be healed. But it says the words, the reason why they came to hear him is because the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak to you are spirit. Words are not sounds. Their spirit and their life. Big thing. They're going out to do things. Words go out to accomplish things. Jesus is saying, everything that I say to you, it's a spiritual force. They're alive. My words carry eternal life. And you've seen me, if you've been around here very long, words are like containers. So this bottle would be like a word. The water would be the thoughts. Words contain thoughts. Well, what happens with God's word? See, God had to specify. All words spoken are spirit. They now know that every word that's ever been spoken in the whole history of humanity is still out there. They're actually trying to develop technology to dial it in. Could you imagine if they ever do that in our while we're still here? To where you could dial it in and, and actually hear Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount. But he specifies their spirit and their life. Because, see, the enemy speaks words. If there's any words that are spoken that don't line up with God, which is life, Satan could say this, my words are spirit and death. So God's words contain his thoughts, his plans, his purposes. And, and, and they produce eternal life. Satan's words contain death and will produce death in your life. As you speak them, this is why in Proverbs 18, 
In verse 21, it says, life and death is in the power of your tongue. You've heard me say this before, that your biggest problem in life, really your only problem in life, it's never people, it's not even the circumstances of your life. It's an inch underneath your nose. It's your mouth. Because see, God said in Deuteronomy 30, 19, I'm, I'm setting before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. How do you do that? You speak it. You speak it. Jesus' words, when he spoke, they went out to do something, right? To the, the man born by four, he said, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Well, the guy's paralyzed. The guy believed the words of Jesus and did what he couldn't do. Why? Because God's words are life. So when Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk, it empowered and it enabled that man to get up and walk. The man with the withered hand, he said, stretch out your hand. Well, he couldn't. But when Jesus spoke words, stretch out your hand, it empowered and enabled him to stretch out his hand. Does this make sense? You see over and over and over and over again. So 10 lepers, he says, go show yourself to the priest. And it says, as they went, they were healed. He told them to go to the priest and show themselves. What that meant is show themselves that you're clean of leprosy and, and go show yourselves to the priest. So the priest could pronounce them clean and then they could go back to society. Well, the problem with that is going to the priest with leprosy will cause the priest to go, what are you doing here? And then they stone them to death because they're not supposed to be in public. But when, when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest, his words contain life. Right? So as they went... See, when he spoke it, it enabled it. It empowered that to happen. The power of God hit them, and as they went, they got healed. What, well, the Bible says this in Psalm 107.20. He, talking about God the Father, sent his word. Who's his word? Jesus is the word of God. He sent his word and did what? And healed. See, that's how that, that, how, the, that, how that works. Words. So we want to know how God the Father talks because the Bible says we're to imitate him. So Hebrews 11.3. So look at this. Through faith, this scripture is a little vague to us. It says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Is that saying true? Yes, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. If you look at the literal Greek of this scripture, it literally says, we understand that God's faith through words framed the world. And that's what it's saying, the things that are not seen were made, or the things that are seen were made by things that do not appear. They were made by the unseen. God spoke it. If you look at Genesis, he spoke everything into being.
except man. Man, he took dirt. You know, don't, don't put too much into your, don't, don't seek your body first, because at the end of the day, it's dirt, okay? But now you want to take care of that dirt, because if without it, without a body, you're not here. So, you know, you want to keep it in shape. You want to do some things like that. But focus on your spirit. Because, see, God, he took dirt and he molded our bodies. I heard an Oxford professor explain how he could do that. He proved scientifically how God could make a human body by dirt. Don't even ask me to, because to, there's no way this guy had his intellect was way beyond me. I live out of my spirit, so I, I appear really, really smart because I live out of my spirit. <laughs> so, so here's what happened, and then God took this dirt that he made into a human body, and he breathed into it his spirit. It's real interesting because the word breath can be translated where God said, come alive. He, he spoke it could be translated either way. There's other scriptures that lead us to believe that he spoke man's and man became a living spirit. See, we're speaking spirits like our father. Does that make sense? So let's keep going with this. Psalm 33, verse 6. This, is, this brings clarity again. It says, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made. So God spoke and planets happened. Again, think about that. God speaks something and it comes to pass. He empowers it and enables it to happen. It says, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made. In other words, by Jesus were the heavens made. And all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Again, this is why I think he, he spoke that into Adam and Eve. And then it says, for he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Never forget this. He spoke and it was done. Do you believe that? then you must believe that all things are possible to those that believe, because God spoke that. You must believe that you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you because he spoke that. You, you must believe that my Father will always cause me to triumph because he spoke that. Gosh, you must even believe that you're going to live long on the earth and declare the works of the Lord because God spoke it. See, when God speaks it, it's a done deal. Now he's given you a free will, and if you'll believe what he spoke, you can, you can take part in all of it. But if you don't believe and receive what he spoke, he won't violate your will. This is whosoever will let him come. Well, I think I'm going to choose to believe God's word, right? For he spoke, this is verse 9. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. So it talks about Jesus, right? It says, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. Look at this. And upholding 
all things by the word of his power. This is talking about Jesus. Do you realize that Jesus right now is holding the universe, holding everything together by the word of his power? So right now, the mere fact that these, and and Pastor Edwin might be able to understand this a little or say this better than me, the reason why we can actually see this and it's not just all flying around in, the, in the, the electrons and the protons, is because it's being held together by the word of God's power. Science can't figure that out. But, but the Bible says he's holding everything together. I wonder if he could hold your life together. So, so you got to see how God operates. Do you know I've walked with the Lord for many, many, many years? And, and really, for many years, understanding the importance of words. I have never heard my father one time ever say an idle word. He just doesn't talk to express himself. He speaks to put spiritual law in motion. And this is very important that you see this about God because the Bible says we're to be imitators of God. I'll tell you one of the, if you you ever want to see how much your flesh messes with you, just, just focus on your words one day. Record yourself. If you recorded your whole day and then you went back and listened to it, you would understand exactly why your life is the way that it is. Because the Bible says Not only will you have what you say, or can you have what you say, but you do have what you say. God has given us the ability to speak his word and literally change everything in our life to come in line with what his word says. Isn't that amazing? He says to the weak, let the weak say that you're strong. Why? Because God's word says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So he's already spoken words that his will for your life is strength. That's an enablement. So if he can get you to speak it, believe it and speak it, it'll bring strength into your life. It says, let the blind say they can see. Why? Because he wants you to see. He's given you scripture after scripture that literally the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter to the full day. It's one of increase. He wants you to see things. Those that are born of God are led by the Spirit of God. He wants you to see it. Right? So when you don't feel like you can see, if you'll believe his word and start to say, oh, Father, I thank you that I know your voice. I thank you that I clearly see the direction that I am to go. What will happen is it brings the power of God on the scene now to make that happen for you. He always moves in relation to his word. You know another thing it says? It says, let the poor... What does it say to the poor person? Say that you're rich. So you could be sitting here in financial trouble, but the Bible says that the blessing of the Lord, Galatians 3, is on you. So let it operate. Because it'll change your checkbook. 
It'll change everything in your life. It'll pay off your house. It'll pay off your car. Oh, does this kind of preaching make religious people mad? So if you're getting mad at me right now, I don't sense any of that. But if you are, that's all right. God could pull some religion out of you and show you something about him. It says in Matthew chapter 24, in verse 35, this is how big God's words are. Matthew 24, 35, he said, heaven and earth shall pass away. Now, we got to be clear on this pass away. We read it in English and it says pass away. In the Greek language, it means to change from one condition to another. Heaven and earth is going to change from one condition to another. After the millennial reign of Christ, after we've gone through the tribulation and all this stuff, God is going to make a new heaven and new earth. It, it literally doesn't mean a new planet. He's going to renovate this one so it'll be brand new. And when God makes something new, it's new forever. So if God made you a car, it would have new car smell forever. Because he makes all things new. Isn't that awesome? Have you ever just killed or destroyed something in your life? Let's say you just really didn't take care of your body and you just wiped out your pancreas or wiped out your kidney or liver. Aren't you glad that God could make that new? That's why your past is never to dictate your future. God's word will dictate your future. And God has a future for you. Hallelujah. And if you could fog a mirror, you have not ultimately messed that up. It's really awesome. It says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. That means when God speaks something, nothing, there's no end date on it. Does that make sense? Psalm 119, you don't have to turn here, but in Psalm 119, in verse 89, it says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. That means if God has said, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, it's forever settled in heaven. Heaven and earth could pass away, but that will never pass away. Now, you may never walk in it because you choose not to believe it and speak it, but it doesn't mean that it's not true. He sent his word and healed you, and with his stripes you were healed, that cannot ever pass away. Healing's been provided. Where it says he was made poor on the cross so that you through his poverty might be made rich, that can never be changed. Now whether you ever take part in it or walk in it is up to you. Does that make sense? But when God talks... It's spirit, it's life, it's going to do something, it's going to empower and enable something, and it's not subject to change. Isn't that good news? The Bible says not only will God not lie, he can't lie. In Psalm 138, verse 2, it talks about God. Psalm 138, verse 2, towards the end of that chapter, look what it says. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. The name of God is above everything except one thing. He literally puts his word. If he spoke it, God says, I submit to my word. If I spoke it, I'll bring it to pass. 
Why am I going over this today? Because you need to see, it says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Well, we have a lot more than two or three, don't we? Numbers 23, Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. It says this, God is not a man that he should lie. So God never lies. You never have to wonder what God is saying. You, have you ever been around somebody and you know, you're talking to them and you can just tell, I'm hearing some stuff, but there's a lot behind this that's not really real. Maybe some manipulation or whatever. With God, there's none of that. There's no shadow of turning. There's no variableness in him. And he says, I'm good all the time. He says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. That word repent in the Hebrew and also its counterpart word in the Greek means to change. So God says, I'll never lie and I don't change. And my word is forever settled in heaven. So if you get God's word on something, you have it. It can't be changed. It means if you'll believe it and speak it, your enemy, the enemy, cannot change it. He said things like this to you. You'll be above only and not beneath. You'll be the head and not the tail. You'll be first and not last. He said to Joshua, which if he said it to Joshua, he's saying it to Tony and he's saying it to you. No man will be able to block you all the days of your life from doing what I've called you to do. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. As God was with Jesus, as God was with Joshua, as he was with David, so he will be with you. Isn't that amazing? So man is never our problem. Our problem is an inch under our nose. Husbands and wife, you could look at each other. Your husband, your wife is not your problem. You wife who thinks you know everything and are so spiritually mature and your husband is so out to lunch, your problem is your mouth. It's not your husband. You husband who thinks that you know everything and that your wife just is just out to lunch and no, 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 no. I mean, if you don't believe me, go ask. If you're a husband, go ask God. Talk to me about my wife. What does she need to change? You know what you'll hear? You'll hear crickets. You won't hear anything. Now, he'll start talking to you about what you need to change. Right? Amen. It's true anyway. Whether you, Amen or oh me, whatever, right? Isaiah 55. Look at how it works. Isaiah 55, verse 11. It says this, Isaiah 55, 11. Maybe I should have you guys quote, I love my pastor. <laughs> this will help you if you embrace it. Isaiah 55, 11, it says, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. So now when God speaks, it's going to show us what happens. It shall not return to me void. This word void means without power. It means that when God speaks a word, it, it's impossible for it to come back to him without power. In other words, God's word never loses power. This is why if God has spoken something to you, if you'll notice, God spoke things to me, and I came right up 
to where I needed to step out of the boat and do it. And because of believing lies of the enemy, pride, selfishness, whatever, stupidity, all that stuff, I'd turn around and I'd walk away. Have you ever done that? And you walk away and you, you, you just, you're walking and you're wondering what, you, what you're supposed to do and maybe a few years go by and then because his word never goes away and it never loses power, you always end up right back at the same spot. Now, if you're like me, you've made some trails, right? No doubt if you're in a rut, you've went around that mountain so many times that now you have a rut. And you know what a rut is, right? It's just a grave without ends. Well, it's time to get out of the rut. When you realize that it's not you that has to uphold what God has for you to do. It's, it's his word. Don't put the pressure of being healed, of being blessed, of walking free from depression. Don't put that pressure on you. You can't handle that. Let God be God. Because the enemy will always come talking about you. And he'll always ask you, how is this going to happen? You know what? Who cares? I don't know how. How is his deal? All I know is he said it. And if he said it, it's mine. And I believe it. But when he speaks, his word never returns void. It says, but what does his word do? But it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Isn't that amazing? God's word goes out to do things. When God speaks, God wants you to live like that to where you stop this idle talk. When you stop just, oh, I'm just talking, I just need to tell you how I feel. There's no life in that. Have you noticed that? When you speak, the Holy Spirit will direct you to speak, to put spiritual law in motion so that you can walk out his plan for your life. Because I could tell you this, God walking out God's plan for your life, for all of you, for me too, it's beyond us. The reason why is God never created man to be alone. God created man for us to do everything with him and united with him. So you never do anything by yourself or for yourself as a Christian. So if you find yourself doing everything by yourself and for yourself, guess what? You can easily see how that's out of the will of God. And you'll be able to tell because it just doesn't produce life. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I came to church today. It says he's not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he'll change. Now he's saying when I speak, my, the word of that, are, do you know when God speaks, it never loses power? Do you know they have proven now that light originated at a point in time and they could bring it back to the point in time. Now they're calling it intelligent design because they don't want to give God credit. But at one point where God said, light be, do you know now they have proven the universe is expanding at the speed of light? So I don't know, when did God say light be, right? I mean, he created Adam and Eve about 6,000 years ago. So let's just say at minimum it would be 6,000 years. But if you really look at the book of Genesis, 
in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then Genesis 1-2, I don't know how much time were between verse 1 and verse 2. And the earth became without form and void. And then all of a sudden, now he does creation. And he's speaking things into existence. And they've proven now this universe is still expanding. It says, it'll accomplish that which I please. Do you know the Bible says that God has spoken words over you? This is why if you'll get quiet, I'm telling you, you will start to see very clearly what God has for you to do in this earth. It's a very specific plan and it's glorious. Where the God of heaven, he, he, you need to realize you have purpose in this earth. And, and don't buy into this lie, well, you know, I'm older, now I'm retired, I'm getting up in my 80s. No, 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 most people in the Bible didn't even get started till they were 80. I'm telling you, your latter days can be greater than your former days. Our path is one of increase. It says here, I, and it shall prosper into the thing that I sent it. Now, how does it do that? Well, Jeremiah chapter 1 in verse 12 gives us even more clarity. Jeremiah 1.12, it says this, Then said the Lord unto me, Thou, so this is God talking to the prophet Jeremiah. He says, thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. He's going, Jeremiah, you have seen well because I'm going to hasten my word to perform it. That word hasten in the Hebrew language means I'm going to watch over my word. Do you know how God watches over his word? He's looking and listening to what you say. Because see, you are the body of Christ. So the word that you speak, God will perform it. He watches over that word and he makes sure it comes to pass. Wow. A little bit different than what we normally hear in church, right? He watches over his word. So now if we, if we look at the way God is... That God's word is actually an empowerment and an enablement. God's word is a spiritual force that goes out to do things. It's not subject to change. It can never be changed. Isn't that amazing? And he says things like this in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans and the purposes that I have towards you, saith the Lord. They're good plans. They're not evil plans. And they're to give you an end of expectation. God's will for your life is that you walk out every desire he's placed in your heart. So now we fast forward to Jesus in the wilderness now, after he was baptized, during the first temptation where Satan comes to him and says, listen, make these stones become bread. And Jesus tells us now, he takes it from this is how God's word is, and now this is what we do with it. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, it is written, and he's quoting Deuteronomy 8, 3. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So we see that we are to live by God's word. 
we experience eternal life as we believe and speak God's word. It, it literally, it's, it's how we live. You know, Acts 17, 28 says, for in him, in who? In Jesus. Who's Jesus? Jesus is the word of God. In his second coming, the Bible says in the book of Revelations, his eternal name is the word of God. So you could say this, in the word, I live and I move and I have my being. You want to live an eternal life, just live in the word. So it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But man will live. He'll experience God's life as he lives by God's word. Isn't that awesome? You want to change everything in your life? God says, I've already spoken it, so all you got to do is believe and speak it, and it could come into your life today. Genesis chapter 1, back in the creation, in verse 28 God, in create, when he created Adam and Eve, he said this in verse 28 of Genesis chapter 1, and God blessed them and God said unto them. So now God is going to say something that never will change. It will enable them to do what he says. He said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That means bring life back to something that was once alive. And then he said, and subdue it. Subdue the earth. That means bring it under permanent subjection and disable it from future resistance. They were to subdue it. They were not to allow Satan, who was cast out of heaven and destroyed things on the earth, now in this new creation... He was, they were to have dominion over him. It goes on and says, and God says, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and here's a big thing, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. What is Satan doing today? He's moving upon the earth. We are to have dominion. We're to subdue it. We can't do that in our own strength but we do it as we speak God's word, it brings it into action because he watches over it to perform it. See how simple that is? Every word that God speaks is full of life, it's full of faith, and it's full of creative power. It's able to, it's full of creative power. It's able to change your financial life. It's able to change your physical life. It's able to change your family. Yeah, but you don't understand. Nobody talks to each other anymore. Who, that's okay. You start speaking life over your family and you'll see God restore. You'll see God bring dead things to life. You'll see God change things. Starting with you. Right? Because if we can change the way we talk, we can change everything in our life. When God says be, when he says be healed, be filled, be strong, when he says be, he's sending and he's releasing something that causes change. This is a little more than religion, isn't it? God never speaks an idle word, as I said earlier. 
Everything God speaks comes to pass. So God's word is not just expressing or communicating something. God's word is accomplishing. Like right now, the Holy Spirit of God is here and he is wanting you to grab onto something and start speaking it to change whatever your specific situation is. This is what's happening right now. He sends his word to do something. You don't come to church because it's Sunday. If you do, you're missing the whole point. You come to church to be built up, to be encouraged, to learn, gain revelation knowledge of his word so that now you're equipped to go out and walk out God's plan for your life. And it's a plan of victory and strength and overcoming. There's nothing in you that wants, that wants to make you be afraid. It's all the external stuff tries to come and fire up your emotions so you feel fear. But you don't have a spirit of fear. And as you walk with the Lord, there's nothing about you that's not courageous. If you just get quiet enough, you'll start to realize there's just something in you that wants to be the head and not the tail, that wants to dominate. But you do it in the love of God, which means you have no rival. You pray for your competitors to be blessed because why not? See, here's the cool thing about God. He never has to take from one to give to another. He could increase both. You know, we got so much going on in our government so much going on, I should say, in the world about if we don't change the way society is in 12 years, our society's going to fall apart. We're going to run out of anything, everything. I got to tell you, God never makes anything that runs out. Amen. They'll tell you how the polar caps are melting. But what they don't tell you, while they're telling you on TV that the polar caps are melting, the reality of it is they increased. Listen, God, there's probably technology that one drop of water could make a car run for 4,000 years. It's just knowledge. There's, nothing will ever run out in this earth. We're, we're, God is a God of more than enough. See, you might look at your situation and think there's no way out. And God will laugh and go, well, I'll make a way where there's no way. Yeah, but all the doors are closed to me. Oh, that's okay, because God opens doors that no man can shut. He said that. So this is why his word is his will. So now, if I'm facing something in my life, and I find his, what he said about it, it's done. If I, if I find in Philippians chapter 4 that my God shall meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory... And it'll all come to me through Christ Jesus. Then if I'm having trouble meeting my monthly bills, I can rejoice because if he spoke it, it literally, if I'll believe it and speak it, he will watch over it and cause it to come to pass. In Proverbs chapter 4, in verse 22, it says that God's word is life to those that find it and it's health to all their flesh. That word health literally means medicine to all their flesh. And, and here's the thing. You cannot OD 
on God's Word. As a matter of fact, the more you get in God's Word, because He's so irresistible and He's so full of life, not only will it pull all this junk out of your unrenewed mind, it'll make you hungrier for Him, it'll make you run faster after Him, it'll make you take your eyes off yourself, because you know He's my provider. This is why in 1 John it says things like, if you ask anything according to his will. Well, what's his will? Well, we know what his will is. It's right here. Right? If you ask anything according to his will, it says he hears you. And, and when you grow with the Lord, you realize, I know his will. So when I talk to him, I know he hears me. Because it says, and if you know that he hears you, you know you already have, not going to get, you have what you've asked him for. Because the Bible says that all of the promises of God are in Christ, yes, and in Christ, amen, or so be it unto you. God doesn't ever say wait or no. Right? The only time God ever says wait, he says those that wait on the Lord. But the word wait is not what we think. It's not like this. right? It's not that kind of wait. It literally means wait. You're waiting in a state of expectancy. So you're like, you're just, you, you know it's done. You're just waiting to see it and you're excited about it. It says they that wait with a state of expectancy like this shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings of eagles. They'll walk and they won't get weary. They'll run and they won't faint. See, when you know what God's will is, it'll excite you. This is why we have to pray for an awakening in the church because most believers are asleep. They can't even get to church. They don't even read. I mean, if somebody doesn't come to church, they're sure not reading their Bible. And, and they surely aren't meditating in the Word day and night so they could actually see something in the Bible. Do you see this? Satan wants, he just, you know, if you could hear his voice in your mind, it's like a little lullaby. He's just hoping you never wake up. You know, what, what is it? I, I, those lullabies, you know, they just have, they sound really, well, his, his lullaby is like that. You're a defeated person. You're stupid. It's never going to work out. He just says that over, so you might as well just give up. Don't listen to stuff like this. Don't read your Bible. It's all going to be okay if you don't read your Bible. Don't believe anything God says. He lulls you to sleep, and he gets a Christian. You know where it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together, as is the manner of some? You know, if you study that scripture out, talking about people who don't come to a place like church is what it's really talking about, it literally means that people get in a position where they think, Gosh, I haven't been there for a while and I feel bad. What's people going to think when I come in? Right? Here, I'll, I'll tell you something the Lord told me years ago. He goes, Tony, you need to stop being concerned about what people are thinking about you. He goes, people are up to here with themselves. They're not really thinking about you. Right? So wake up and, and put him first. And get to know him. 
Yeah, but pastor, I've just blown it for so long. I have no desire for God. Well, of course you don't. You're not feeding. You're feeding on the world, so you're just frustrated. You're feeding on the world, which means that there's some things that you just want to do that you can't do. You never have really enough money, or your marriage just never really is good enough, and your relationship with your, it just seems like one thing after another, and then all of a sudden, man, now I got this diagnosis, and, and you know, all this stuff. Forget all that. Get to know God, and you'll dominate all that, and God will change all of that in your life. That's the message. God's words are enablements. When God says, be strong, he's saying, He's enabling you to be strong. So in creation, Adam and Eve were to do what? As speaking spirits, they were to take, they were to take their words. They were literally designed this way to accomplish God's plan by being fruitful, by multiplying, by replenishing, by subduing and dominating. They were to take God's words. And God's words would enable them to do it. They were to take dominion over the earth. You today, why are we talking about this? God wants you to take his words. And he wants you to be fruitful in your life. He wants everything to start increasing. He, wants, he doesn't want to add. He wants everything to multiply. He wants you to bring life back to some things that maybe don't have life anymore. He wants you to subdue things that are not going right in your life. You subdue it. You take authority over the enemy. And he wants you to have dominion over the enemy so that he can't produce death in your life. That's what he wanted for Adam and Eve. That's what he wants for you. Their words, Adam and Eve's words, 2000, or 6,000 years later, our words are to reflect God's heart and God's will. After the fall, after Adam and Eve chose to walk another way, their words, what did they reflect? Sin and death. If you're speaking death, your words are just reflecting where you are. So just choose life. And your words will start reflecting the life of God. So Hebrews chapter 4, as we're kind of coming down to the end of this, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, says this. Well, we're not coming to the end. My goodness, I have 12 pages of notes here, and I'm only on page 4. But we're coming to the end for today. There we go. I believe, I hope, I hope this is encouraging you. Because all things are possible to you. Listen, it's, it's going to be May, Wednesday. A third of this year is already gone. But God could do more in, in the next two-thirds of this year so that your life looks totally different. Your health looks totally different. Your finances look totally different than they do right now. So believe God's word. Wake up. Feed on God's word. It'll make you hungry for him. You'll get over yourself. You know, I remember at Rama, there was a class called Submission to Authority, and Keith Moore was the teacher. Man, would you walk out of that class and not want to talk about yourself, right? And because, you know, it just exposes pride. 
But Keith said this, and it's always stuck to me, and to be honest with you, I'm growing in more and more of a revelation of it all these years later. Keith said, humility is really, if you boil it all down, is walking in the truth and seeing things as they really are. Pride is simply just believing a lie. That's literally what pride is. You know, and that's why I know for me, I had to get over myself. You beat yourself up, oh, I can't, I could never, I could never teach a Bible study because, you know, or I could never be on the worship team because, man, I just don't want people looking at me. Oh, you prideful person, right? No, 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 listen. Humility is just simply believing the truth. What is the truth? I'm so glad you asked me that question. In John 17, 17, he says, my word is truth. Do you know, if you're beating yourself up, you know one thing God will never do is beat you up about mistakes. The Bible says he never upbraids us. He never gets down on us for the mess that we've created. I'm sure I've created some messes that Satan himself is probably going, wow, take some notes. I have never seen anybody do something that stupid. But it's all good because the minute you turn to God, he starts restoring. He forgives, cleanses, makes all things new. Don't, if, if you want to see who you really are, this is how you need a mirror to see how you've really been made because Satan will work overtime to diminish who you are. God wants you to see who you are, but you can only see who you are by looking in the mirror and his word is the mirror. His word is Jesus, and as you peer into Jesus, you're changed into his image. The Bible says in the book of Romans that God's will for your life is that you be fashioned into the image of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? I love that. It says, verse, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, for the word of God is quick. That means it's full of life. And it's powerful, it's active, and it's effective. What that means is God's word will go right to the core of the situation. Many times we don't know the core. For the core for me that caused so many problems in my life, the core was that at the end of the day I just was buying this lie from the enemy that I was worthless, that I was worth nothing. And when that lie was exposed, man, it changed my life forever. Because how can I say I'm worthless? You know, if you went to an, uh, an art auction, the amount of money that is paid for a piece of art or some object denotes the value of it. What, what was the value of your life? It took the very life of the Son of God. God gave his Son for you. That's how precious, that's how unique you are. So don't diminish yourself. And this is why the Word of God will build you up. It says here, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit. God's Word is the only thing that's going to tell you what is your idea, and what's his plan? It'll reveal it to you. It says in joints and marrow, and it says and it's a discerner. It causes you to see and know 
the thoughts and intents of the heart. So I'm going to read a couple scriptures to you here, just in closing out of the book of Psalms. In Psalm 119, verse 130, it says, The entrance of God's word gives light. So if this is God's word, contains his thoughts, right? The water is his thoughts. Now, if you study thoughts in the Bible, it's the Hebrew word yester. It means a molding and a shaping. Thoughts will shape you. If you think you're stupid, it'll shape you. But what happens is God's word, like right now, God's word is one out. And if you'll take his word, like probably some scriptures maybe might jump, maybe one or two might just jump off in your heart. Write those down and start meditating in them. Say them over and over to yourself. What'll happen is the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of a Christian, the entrance of his word, what that means, the entrance, the Hebrew word is opening. God will open his word. His word is full of life and power. It's light. It gives understanding to the simple. The word simple literally means stupid. So have you ever been stupid? A stupid person doesn't know what to do. So in your situation, guess what? God of the universe who's all-knowing will tell you what to do. So now, in in Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, Thy word is a lamp to my feet. It shows me right where I'm at, and it lights my path. It shows me where to go. In verse 11 of the same chapter, it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You You want to walk holy before God. Don't try to overcome a sin habit. Forget about that. Just get his word in your heart, and his word will strengthen you. Verse 65 in the same chapter says, Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word. God deals with us according to his word. So this is why you're never going to see anything in his word about God wanting to take something from you, or God's going to use sickness to teach you something. That's just ridiculous. It's not who he is. Religion will say sometimes God says yes, and sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says wait. But the Bible says all the promises of God are in Christ, yes and amen. The, the religion will tell us, well, you know, God's good and he blesses who he wants because he's sovereign, and he blesses some and others. He just, you know, he just, this is their cross to bear in this world. But God says he's good to all. He says in Psalm 145, he's gracious. He's disposed to show favor. He's full of compassion. He's he's of great mercy. And then it says this in verse 9, he's good to all, and his tender mercies are over all of his works. In Psalm 119, in closing, in verse 165, I love this one. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace. Have they which love his law. See, in the Old Testament, the law, it was the first five books of the Bible. But now as a New Testament believer, we could say it this way, great peace have they which love God's word and nothing shall offend them. You want to walk free from offense? Do you want to be able to just walk in peace when maybe that supervisor or that boss 
is really getting you? Do you want to know how to never be offended when you're in a situation and maybe a, an ex-spouse or maybe uh, some friend, ex-friends or whatever are talking bad about you and they're, they're trying to hurt your life and all this stuff. This morning when I was at a restaurant, I had a young man that, uh, you know, I've kind of become a pastor in these places and, and he was talking about how that he had to go to court and it, it's a custody thing and, and, you know, and he was just telling me how, how that, uh, when he got over the fact of being mad at what was, what was being said and done, God started working out everything. And all of a sudden, this lady that he was with, that he had a child with, started, start, they started working it out. When he chose to forget about what she's doing and just believe God to work and focus on what he can do, to walk in love and, and to forgive her and, and concentrate on what he needs to do. It, it started, he was like all excited. Started changing. Why is that? Because love never fails. So I want to encourage you today. Hiding the word of God in your heart, loving God will keep you, or loving his word will keep you in the love of God. It'll keep you out of offense. It'll keep you out of unforgiveness. You know, unforgiveness, man, is bad. It's like giving, it's like, it's like wanting to kill your enemy by you taking poison. Right? Just, just give all this stuff to God. He, he wants to restore and, and take it. And here's the thing, we're not made to carry it. I have a big sense in my spirit right now that there's people here that are carrying stuff. And the Lord would say to you today, Give it. Humble yourself under my mighty hand by casting the whole of your care over on me. Because God will take care of that care. And what he'll do is he'll lift you above that circumstance. Don't carry it. Some are carrying mistakes that they've made. Others are carrying stuff that other people have put on and done in their life. Let's just give it all to him. Because see, if you're carrying it, he can't help you with it because he'd have to violate your will to do it. But if you'll just give it to him and just get in his word and allow his word to get in you, you'll walk out his plan for your life. You'll see more and more every day, every minute of every day, how much he loves you, how he's able to change things that are unchangeable, how he's able to bring dead things back to life how he's able to restore. I can tell you stories in this church of how God changes things. So anyway, I just want to encourage you with that today. I hope that helps you a little bit. Man, I love the anointing. The anointing of God is here right now to lift burdens off of you and to destroy yokes of bondage. God has a future for you. And it's a one, it's a glorious future. Amen?